Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Sandra Bennett. So I'm going to do what I think is a bit different for me this morning. Um, the Lord has laid a passage of scripture on my heart. He spoke to me about it a few weeks ago and I didn't do anything. And I just was aware that it was kind of going to be something that God was going to use that he wants to share with us and reveal some fresh truth about things to me. Um, This is not a disclaimer, but what I will say is this is not a theological study and it probably never will be from me because I'm not that clever. Um, And it's not a translation of Hebrew. It's more like... um, You've got a coin and you've only ever seen one side of the coin and suddenly God has said, toss the coin up into the air and it's landed on a side you've never seen before. It's more like that. God often shows us hidden treasures in his word. Is this not true? If you study the words and your heart is open to the Lord, he reveals himself through his words and reveals secrets, hidden secrets, hidden treasures, deep, buried deep within his words. Um, because that's how God is. He's actually quite exciting. God is exciting, that is. Not me coming here this morning. God is exciting. And he's adventurous. And for all of us here, if you've not been one that, that has really wanted to study the words, sometimes it can be like, or, or you can have an expectation of, it might be a bit boring, it might be a bit dull. Not all of it's relevant to me, and it's certainly not relevant for today. And the passage of Scripture... Um, that we're going to have a look at probably isn't going to be considered that relevant by the world but of course the real, we know the world's got it wrong <laughs> so we are going to look at the virtuous wife so if you are not married and if you are a man you can stand up and go home no joking <laughs> no this is for you. <laughs> this is for all of us. This is for me. Okay. So I'm cu- we're kind of just going to unpack it a little bit and work through slowly. But when I say unpack it, I'm not talking about the, the historical background or the theological aspects of it. I'm talking about what God has spoken to me about this morning for this. Does that make sense? Brilliant. So, we're going to start at verse 10. If you have your Bibles, fine. If not, you can listen. Please do not fall asleep because I might pick on you. (laughs) Verse 10 says, Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. So, first of all, I looked up the definition of virtuous. Reason being is because it's it's not a term we really use today. Virtuous is not, it's not a common word that you would come across, is it? You might occasionally come across it in Christian circles, but you don't tend to, to have people using the word virtue or virtuous in common language today. Is this correct? I'm right, aren't I? So I looked up the words so that we would have a bit of understanding because it's not part of our everyday language. And basically, virtuous means morally excellent, righteous, and upright. Um, so I'm just, I will be flicking about the scriptures a little bit this morning. So I'm just going to read 
Romans. I'm going to get not the whole of Romans. Romans chapter three. And from verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now that's a bit of a mouthful, but basically God's righteousness, these are the key points of that tiny bit of that passage, God's righteousness is revealed through Jesus, bearing in mind that virtuous is righteous. We know that we don't have righteousness of our own. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. God doesn't look at us in our pre-Christian form and see someone righteous. He does see a sinner until that is the cross and Jesus. Jesus took all our rubbish. We know this. We took all our rubbish, all the weight that we were carrying, all our sin. He took it to the cross, had victory. Three days later, rose from the dead victoriously, having conquered sin and death. Amen. And because of that, we have righteousness because righteousness is a gift from the Lord that he gives us. Um, If you believe in a his, you've received the gift of righteousness. It is yours. Therefore, you are no longer sinners. That's your old state. state. You are saints because you have been saved by grace and you are righteous in his eyes because of what Jesus has done on the cross for you. Just going to turn to another passage. You will have to bear with me. It's Isaiah 61. I can't apologize for so much scripture because actually it's it's, it's life to us. Verse 10. So Isaiah 61 verse 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Thank you, Lord. We are clothed in your righteousness. So that verse in Proverbs, that first verse, I need to find it again, also mentions, I think, a ruby. Now, I'm not that clever. I'm not going into the parallel meaning of a ruby. But there is something that's significant about that little line. It says, for her worth is far above above rubies. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, it says, um, well, God says that his children are precious in his eyes. We are all his children. So currently, we're, we're relating this to we are all the virtuous wife. So as we go through it, you'll realize how we can all be the virtuous wife when not all of us here are adult females that are married, but we are all the virtuous wife in Christ. And we are precious in the sight of God. Our Heavenly Father sees us as precious, just as we as humans ought to see our own children as precious. He so much more, we know, sees us as precious. And we know this because he talks in the New Testament, can't remember exactly where it is. Um, doesn't Jesus say something about then, um, although that you are evil, you know how to give good 
gifts to your children, so how much more does the Heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to all of you, to all of us? Is that not true? So we are precious in his sight, and our worth in Christ is far above rubies. Every single person in this room is precious to God, and you're more valuable than precious stones. Okay. So verse... 10, we've done that. So verse 11 says, The heart of a husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. So Jesus trusts you. So this, I found this quite mind-blowing because I don't know that I can even say that I trust myself. But Jesus trusts me. Jesus trusts you. How can he possibly trust us? You know, uh, what does the Bible say? Our hearts are wicked and, and deceitful. You know, we need to be getting out that heart of stone and having that flesh, that heart transformation take place. We're inconsistent. We're fickle. We mess up. We get it wrong. But yet, right here it says, he trusts us. So I was like, Lord, but how can that be? How can I be trusted? Because I don't see myself as, I'm like, I'm fairly consistent. I'm not perfect. But how does he trust us? Well, he doesn't trust in who I am as a human being. He trusts in the power of his cross and what he has done in you. He trusts in the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. He trusts in the anointing that he has placed on you. He trusts in the gifts and abilities that he personally has given you. He trusts in the work of the cross that has redeemed you and saved you, made you whole, made you complete, took you out of that pit, that horrible pit you were in, picked you up and placed you on solid ground. This is the G, what Jesus trusts in when he looks at us. He trusts us. He knows that he has given us every resource that we need for life on this earth to be able to live in a way that honours him, that lives in a way that is virtuous. He knows that this is not impossible. Just as God has said, be holy because I am holy. That seems like an impossible concept, but in Christ, all things are possible. So therefore, you can be holy in him. If he says you can, it means you can. He doesn't set us up to foul. I think I've said that previously because it's something I think God keeps telling me. So I can't help but keep speaking it out. God does not set us up to foul. He doesn't set us up to look foolish. He doesn't set us up to get it wrong. In fact, he has set us up to walk in victory. He has set us up to have a victorious life that is consistent, that is overcoming, that does produce results, that has everlasting life and eternity in it. How does that, how does that equate? Well, that is your eternal fruit, everlasting fruit that he produces in you. By their fruits, they will be known. But these are not temporary fruits. These are permanent things. Just a bit like happiness is temporary, but joy in the Lord is eternal. All these things are at our disposal because of what he has done on the cross. Therefore, we can live this life in him. That doesn't mean we will never get it wrong or never have a bad day or never make a mistake. But what it does mean is we will get back up and we will continue on our journey with him and we will not fall away and we will not give up and we will keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. And we will keep going in Jesus. And it won't just be surviving, it will be in victory.
We are more than conquerors. This is the word of God. You know it. We are more than conquerors. And it's all that comes back to what he has accomplished on the cross for us. So verse 12 just says, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. So I'll just read that again. For the heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. So the lack of gain for me, that is actually God is saying that there will be no lack of fruit, kingdom fruit, everlasting fruit. There'll be no lack. We will produce when our roots are deep in him and he is our source. We will produce what's needed to be produced. We will produce more of the fruit of this spirit, for example. We will produce more of him. We will be made more into the image of him. So verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She serves. She's a servant. We are servants. We might not want to be. We might not always be gracious about it, but we are called to serve in the kingdom of God. We are called to serve the Lord first and foremost. We are called to serve each other and we're called to serve the world. We're servants. I'm just going to turn to Matthew 20. Don't fall asleep in the heat. It's hot up here as well. And verse 27, second part of, or just read that, 27 and 28. I think that's right. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our prime example is the Lord. He served. And actually, he served and he served and he served. And when he went into his, his ministry, he fully served in a hundred different ways, and then um, resulting in the biggest service that he has ever done to mankind, which was obviously the cross, his work on the cross, his death on the, on the cross, his sacrifice that he made, and the victory that came out of it. Our Lord was a servant, and we are supposed to be becoming more like him. We're supposed to be imitators of Christ. We are Christians. We are servants. There's, like, there's no argument about this. This is what we are. This is who we are in him. Part of that is we are his servants and we're his servants. In Romans, Paul says we're slaves to righteousness. So here we come back to that righteousness again and righteous living. We're slaves to righteousness. We're slaves to working in a right manner. We're slaves to being honourable to those around us and to the Lord. We are slaves to righteousness. We were slaves to sin, but we're not slaves to sin anymore. We're now slaves to righteousness. So we're servants and we're slaves. In Galatians, he says, Paul says, through love that we are to serve one another. Through love we serve each other. And that's a lot easier when you have the love of God flowing through you. If you're, if you're having that little wobble and you're currently feeling like you're not flowing in it with the Lord, trying to love someone out of your own resources when you're not feeling your best is very, very hard to do, and you probably will foul. 
But this is all about staying close to the Lord, staying connected to him. Because actually, when you can't, he can. But he can only do that if you are willing to let him do that. He can only do that if we are vessels for him. If he can flow through us and reach out to others. But if we put the block up or we put the wall up, he can't flow through us and he won't force us. But we need to be having hearts that are surrendered at the foot of his cross, surrendered to him fully so that he can flow through us and reach out to those around us. So that even on the bad days, when you know that you're not in the best place, but you choose to plug into God, you choose to come into his presence, he can then still flow through you. And then you can love others even when you don't feel like it because it's his love that will be flowing through and his love is perfect and it is patient. So don't you find as well, if you're not doing so well, the one thing you lose is patience. You're much more irritable as soon as you surrender to God and kind of relax in him and just let him be in your life, he can start flowing through you. And then you find that you're more patient with people and generous. Not, not, I don't mean financially generous. I mean generous in your attitude to those around you. It's a lot easier to be gracious and generous to people that may not be in the same place as you or maybe that they're in a better place but you've got a great big plank of wood in your eye and you can't see that because you're not where you need to be. It doesn't take two seconds to get right and get where you need to be. And even if life is tough, God can flow through you and make things right. In Ephesians 2.10, it actually says that God has prepared good works for us because we're servants. He's got work for us to do. Every single one of you in the room has got a job that God wants you to do. And it might be your day-to-day job. And I don't mean talking about going out physically working to earn money, although that may come into it. I'm talking about what you do before the Lord on a day-to-day basis. How you get on with your family members. How you get on with the people around you in your workplace or in your schools or in your colleges. How you relate to people. Are you gracious to them? Are you generous? Do you go, are you a blessing to others where you go? Are you kind Are you considerate? Are you allowing the fruit of the Spirit to be developed in your life to the point where it can touch and have an impact on those around you as you go about your day-to-day business? This might be the good works or the serving that we're called to do. It's just to live a simple life before our God that honours him in every way. That is actually more powerful than someone just being able to go out and do, I don't know, not preach like this, but like preach to thousands, because that's great, not that we've had that for a long time, but that's great, but this is how we live our lives day by day, is more important than the one moment. How we live before him is more important than the one moment, because actually we've got to stand the test of time. We've got to get to the end of this journey that we've started and come through the other side. We can only do that by abiding in him. And in Galatians 6, 9, we're encouraged to not give up while doing good. Keep going, keep going. If you feel tired, get up and keep going. That doesn't mean you can't have time out and have a rest, but it's not talking about that. It's talking about when you 
can't be bothered because you're tired and you feel like you can't be bothered to be generous or you can't be bothered to be good and bless someone, it actually says keep going. Keep going being good for the Lord. Keep going in his goodness. And if you feel like you're doing it in your own strength and you really don't have that energy and you can't keep going, then do take time out with him. Let him refresh you. Let him restore you. Let him revive you. Let him do what he needs to do in your heart and in your mind and in your body so that you can keep on doing good and not give up or lose heart while you're serving the Lord. So I'm just nipping back to Proverbs. I should put a piece of paper in the put a bookmark in that bit. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. So actually, she's a bit of a provider in this passage of scripture. But God spoke to me about provision, and not provision in the traditional sense, but that we're all called to bring a dish to the table. That he's given us all gifts and abilities, talents. He's given us all life. And all of us have something to bring and something to share and something to give that's going to be a provision and a blessing. We all have something to bring to the table in the kingdom of God. So God is encouraging us all this morning. What are you bringing to the table? What are you bringing to the household of faith? What are you doing to bless and encourage those around you? What provision, what resource has he put in you that you can bring that and make a difference to those that are around you and help build them up? And the same would apply in your witness. What are you bringing to the table of the kingdom in terms of touching the lives of those who don't yet know the Lord? What am I doing? Is it what God's asking me to do? Am I being obedient in this? Am I being brave and courageous and bold and willing to step up and open my mouth when the Holy Spirit leads me to? I'm not necessarily saying we need to go and uh, Bible bash. When I was growing up, when, you know, actually, when I first got saved... Um, I was about 14 years old and I was going to school and it didn't really affect anyone at first. I mean, it didn't seem to... I mean, people asked questions in my class because I was actually interested in all sorts of rubbish. I gave up the rubbish and I turned up with a Bible instead. So there was a few questions, it was fine. But after about six months, I'd read something, and I can't even remember where it is now in the Word of God, about basically Christians get persecuted. And I'm like... Lord, I don't really understand because I'm not getting persecuted. So I said to Lord, your Bible says that Christians get persecuted. So, so what's happening? Can, can I please be persecuted? I honestly did pray along this line. And then all of a sudden, about a week later, um, these group of boys at school started running past me and they were literally pushing and shoving, Bible basher, Bible basher. <laughs> I'm like, do you know what? Thank you, Lord. You said that Christians get persecuted. Thank you, Lord. I'm doing something right. <laughs> um, it was quite amusing. But actually, it should r rattle things. It should shake things. It should do something. Not that because we're going in being uh, inconsiderate or lacking sensitivity or being bolshy, probably is the word I'd use, bolshy about our faith. But actually, wise witness is... 
Lord, what are you telling me to do? Wise witnesses, what are you saying to this person? How do you want me to bring a witness to them? How does that look for that person? What's actually going to, is it going to just annoy them? Or is it actually going to sow a seed? Is it going to make them angry? Or actually, is God going to use the situation to soften their hearts, to receive the truth? Now, people will still get angry sometimes when presented with the truth of the Lord because the enemy's out there. But it's not, we don't do it in a brash way that actually doesn't produce the right results. What we do is we behave like Jesus because what Jesus did, he wasn't intimidated, he wasn't afraid to speak up, but he only did what he saw the Father doing and only said what he heard the Father saying. So he was spirit-led all the way and that is what brings the eternal results that we're looking for. So what are you bringing to the table? in your obedience, in your service? What are you bringing? We are all called to go and feed, nourish, build people up, especially brethren, especially brothers and sisters in the Lord. And again, whether that's going out and preaching the gospel and Christ crucified, or bring in that word of encouragement, and occasionally even that word of rebuke that's brought in love. We're all called to bring something to the table, and that will look different for different people on different days and different circumstances. Verse 16. She considers a field and buys it, and from her profits she plants a vineyard. I'm just quickly going to go to Matthew 25. I did touch on this a bit earlier. Wouldn't it be nice if we had like cold sprinklers in the room to freshen us all up? So Matthew 25, I've lost my place, verse 14 to 30. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord." He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. 
His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answers and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. It does seem harsh, doesn't it? So you think the guy was protecting the talent and he buried it in the ground. And then because he buried it in the ground and it just produced nothing, It was just taken away from him. He lost it. But actually, how many talents and gifts has God given to us? Are we using them in him to their full extent? Or are we burying it and it's good for nothing? It doesn't benefit anyone around us. It doesn't produce anything. And we know we're looking for that lasting fruit. We're looking for eternal fruit. What are you doing with your gifts and abilities? Are you using them to the full extent and are you using them in the right way at the right time? And again, this is all about our relationship with God and being led by the Spirit. You might even have, remember I said earlier about hidden treasure in the Word. Do you know, there's hidden treasure in some of us. Some of you have got gifts that you don't even know that you've got. And God wants to use them. So again, you need to come to the Lord and ask him to show you, Lord, is there anything I'm missing? Is there any way that I'm not being used by you because I'm just blind to the truth in this situation or or within myself? Show me, Holy Spirit, show me what's being wasted. Show me what I'm wasting, where I'm wasteful, where I'm unproductive, where I'm not producing a profit for your kingdom. Obviously not financial profit. What have I missed? Lord, come and do a new thing in me. Come and show me. Come and reveal to me what you want to do with my life that I might be missing. And he might surprise you. Some of you might get surprises in what God shows you he wants you to do. And some of you might even want to resist it. So maybe that you've hidden your talent because you don't like the talent he's given you. You were bought at a price. Your your life is not your own anymore. You belong to the Lord's. If he gives you a talent, you surrender and you humble yourself and you use the talent you're not so keen on. It's a bit like, you know, it's just come to mind. The bit in the scripture that talks about if if you don't like the eye and you take it out, you can't see. If you're that person that didn't want to be the one coming alongside people bringing words of encouragement because you want to be up the front singing. What's God telling you to do? You do what God tells you to do. I mean, the Bible says that he gives us our heart's desires, but he doesn't give us desires of selfish ambition. In fact, we're not to have selfish ambition. We're actually to surrender all those worldly desires and allow him to purify it and turn them into godly desires so that he can use them and they can be productive and make uh, a provision and a profit. And it will then bless you and bless those around you. 
So verse 17 we will look at in a minute, but you know there's a scripture in Isaiah, we won't turn there, and it talks about strengthening the weak hands and feeble knees. So I just want you to bear that in mind, that sometimes we need to strengthen It says she girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. There's a time where you do feel weak, where you are weakening, and you need to pause and strengthen those weak hands and feeble needs. And in Revelation 3, God calls us to strengthen the things that remain because our works are not perfect before God. We know we're not perfect. We know sometimes we do get it wrong, but we also know God's grace covers it. But then we have a responsibility to um, strengthen that what does remains that, that is of him in us. Does that kind of make sense? Because if we don't choose to build ourselves up in the Lord and choose to strengthen ourselves up in the Lord, we are more likely to fall flat. We're more likely to fall away. We have a self-responsibility to remain strong in the Lord. And we strengthen ourselves in the Lord by when we don't feel like it, getting out the Bible, I'm choosing to read your word today, Lord. Oh, I'm putting on some worship because I haven't really got anything in me for worship, but I'm going to put some worship music on anyway. Oh, do you know what? I might even step out a bit and engage in some worship and actually join in with the worship on the CD or whatever and choose to just draw into your presence. Or it might be that I'm rushing around so much, I haven't got time for you, Lord. But actually, do you know what? It's time to make time for God and create space for him so that you can just rest in his presence. This is how you strengthen yourself in the Lord. In him. He is your strength. Without him, you're going to get weak. And we, we all know that famous passage in Isaiah 40 that talks about waiting on the Lord and he will renew your strength. You have to choose to actually prioritize what you need to do and what you need to do is prioritize time with God and trust him as you prioritize time with God as you choose to draw near to him he will renew your strength I'm just gonna yeah we've got time to quickly go to Psalms Just going to Psalm 73, verse 28. But it is good for me to draw near to God. It's good for us to draw near. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all your works. This is really important because that comes back to what we were saying before about our witness and also about what we bring to the table in terms of building each other up and encourage each, each other in the Lord. That as we declare his works and his truth, we speak life. We build each other up, we encourage, but that comes out of that it is good for me to draw near to God first. We draw near to God first. We put our trust in God first. We get our own house in order first. That, that is the house of our heart. We get ourselves in order so that we can then go and declare his works
And this, as I said, comes out of that relationship and spending time in his presence. Verse 18 says, She perceives that her merchandise is good and a lamp does not go out by night. Okay. This reminds me of the ten virgins. The ten virgins, you know the story. There was the virgins that were wise and the virgins that were foolish. The virgins that were ready, the ones that were unprepared and not expectant. So the wise virgins are ready and expectant and prepared, prioritizing riches in heaven over earthly wealth, prioritizing God over the busyness of the world, focused. Do you know what? We need to start living like Jesus is going to come back tonight. We're really bad at carrying on with life to the fact that we forget he's returning. We have a king who's coming back. We have a king who's coming back for a bride. Someone said they're ready. Yeah, praise the Lord. Get ready. We do not want to be like the foolish virgins because we're not waiting. It says the virtuous wife, her lamp was full. Her lamp was full. She was ready. It does not go out by night. She doesn't run out of oil. We are not to run out of oil. And we know that oil is often symbolic of the Holy Spirit. We are not to run out of our relationship with God. We need to keep getting topped up. We need to get topped up in his presence. It needs to be something that we choose to do behind closed doors. Consistently. And not just oh, I've had my little quiet time with the Lord, walk away and forget I belong to him. No, if we're being led by the Spirit, if if we have the Holy Spirit in us, he is with us all the time. And we forget who we carry in our hearts with us. It's Jesus. He's with us when we sleep, when we wake up. He's with us when we get it right. He's with us when we get it wrong. But we need to keep that oil burning. It can't run out. We need to be ready for the return of our king. I mean, I don't know. I was going to say, that nearly come out wrong. With the accuracy of my interpretation, that's a better way, of um, at the end when it talks about, you know, there'll be uh, someone in bed and their, their partner will vanish and someone out in the field and their co-worker will vanish. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of shocked people. That's, that almost, almost implies 50% of the church. That's a sobering thought. I know what side of the 50% I want to be on. So what am I going to do about it? I'm going to stay close to the Lord. That's what I'm going to do about it. I'm going to stay close to him and I'm not going to let myself get distracted to the left or to the right. But my focus is him and I'm going to keep going for his kingdom. 19 to 20 says, she stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hand to the needy. So again, this is again talking about like works of service. It's talking about compassion. It's talking about being aware of the problems and the issues around us. You can't help someone if you can't even see what the need is. So yeah, it's kind of having your eye on the ball about what's going on and how you can witness and how you can serve. But also even within the, the church, you know, where's the need in the church? How can I pray for that someone? Can I do something to practically bless them? It's all that type of thing. 
Verse 21, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. So for me, we're talking the blood of Jesus. We are not afraid for our household as we walk through this life because we are trusting in Jesus. His blood covers us. It covers our families. We are protected in him. doesn't mean that we won't get any, any form of attack or backlash. But as we're walking in the Holy Spirit, as we're staying close to God, he will show us strategically how to defend ourselves. But we know through the word of God, we've already been given lots of resources and tools how to defend ourselves. One example is the armor of God. If you're unsure, go away and study it. Give you something to deliberately look at. Okay, I can use the armor of God. I can stay protected. And now faith in Jesus and in the blood of the cross. It is powerful. We've been singing about his power this morning at one point. It is powerful and he can protect us. Our faith is in him. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Um, and again, she's well, well, we'll talk about the clothing again in a minute, actually. We'll move on to 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Um, now, interestingly, I said, Lord, I can't think I can spin anything with this one. And then God says, no, you're wrong. He says, her, it says her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. And the Lord said to me, which sounds really bizarre to this, but I'm trusting God, okay? I've got, to, I can't, I've got to refer to it again. It's, no. When we sit among the people of God in his presence, he makes himself known. He's, her husband is known in the gates. Her husband is the Lord. When we sit at his feet, he reveals himself to us. When we sit in his presence, he makes himself known. And that's what the Lord is saying to us today. Not that we have to do this right this second, but every time you choose to sit at the feet of Jesus, he will make himself known to you. He will reveal himself to you afresh. And then it goes on about clothing again. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. So for me, I know there's different types of sashes. There's one that goes across like this, like diagonally, and there's one that's like a sash around the belt like a belt. So I did look it up. So around that then, we're probably talking a sash looks like a belt. I might be wrong. So of course, that reminds us again about part of the armour of God, about the belt of truth, which is really important because it goes on to say, strength and honour are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. Wisdom and truth need to be on our lips. Life needs to be coming out of us. We need to be speaking life. We need to be speaking life and not speaking death. We need to speak, be speaking faith and not unbelief. We need to be speaking truth and not the lie of the enemy. It's so easy to align ourselves with the lie of the enemy, but we need to be not agreeing with that, but actually siding with and speaking out and declaring truth. This is what our mouths are for. Our mouths are to build up, to encourage, to speak life and bring change because there's power of life and death in the tongue. Now, either we believe the words or we don't. So we'd have a choice. 
Can our speech really and truly make a change in life, in situations? Yes, it can. First of all, the Bible tells me it can, therefore that must be the truth. And even if my experience isn't that, there's something wrong with my experience because God's truth is still the truth. So actually, I need to start lining myself up. I need to start perhaps sowing and sowing and sowing to change the atmosphere, to change the situation. Sowing by keeping declaring, by keeping speaking, by keeping on believing the truth of what God says. And keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it until finally there's breakthrough and you reap a harvest of truth. Just like you've been declaring truth. And initially it might not look like it's working. But by faith you keep going because you keep doing the right thing. You don't give up and curse with your mouth. So cursing also might mean speaking unbelief, lying. And I know cursing is often referred to as swearing. But actually, life and death, blessing and cursing from Deuteronomy. So actually, we keep blessing, speaking blessing. We keep speaking life and we do not give up. And eventually, we will see the harvest of that. Just like we are too, keep on preaching the gospel the revival war we're looking for hasn't come. Let's be honest, has it? Are we called to give up and walk away? Or are we called to keep praying and keep speaking and keep declaring and keep witnessing and keep going? Because we don't know how many lives are going to be changed as a result of our perseverance. That's what we're called to do. We keep on and we do not give up. And we do it to the end. She is strong in the Lord, this woman, and in the power of his might. She is led by the Holy Spirit. She is clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, radiant from his presence. That's why she's got all these lovely attire that it's describing. She is radiant because she's come out of his presence. She is clothed in righteousness. She is clothed in salvation. So before the Lord, she is more than precious rubies. She is beautiful. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She is not lazy. It's so easy to be lazy sometimes. I can be lazy sometimes. I'm pretty good at being lazy. I've got a husband who's more than happy to make me lots of coffee. I can be lazy. But actually, this woman of God is not lazy. She is productive, she is resourceful. She's proactive. And in the previous part of that verse, she watches over the ways of her household. This is the household of faith. So it might also be your your direct household in which you live. It might be the householders in the body of Christ. She watches over her household. Because do you know what? What? She is sensitive um, and responsive to the changes that are happening within her home. So that she can deal with it. And it might be that that's one person that comes in always chatty every week, one day is extremely silent, or one day is not there. Have you noticed? Are you sensitive? Are you watching over your household? Are you praying for the people that are struggling? Are you asking God, is it for me to be used by you? Am I the one you want to send to bring that encouraging words? 
or be a blessing to them or meet up with them. You, we can meet up now, it's legal. <laughs> Am I the one that's supposed to be doing that? Because I've watched over my household and I've noticed there's a change. I'm looking out for my family. Her children rise up and call her blessed. And her husband also, and he praises her. That's the final bit. You'll be pleased to know. So in the very end of all this, what do we want God to be saying to us? He rises up. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband praises her. Right in the end, what do we want to be told? Well done, good and faithful servant. Or you know, when the father spoke to Jesus and said, my son, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. This should be the goal of our end result. That we don't just want to be accepted into heaven, but that we want the Lord to embrace us and say, look at my child, fully mine, completely mine. That's what we want. So this Proverbs 31 woman, the virtuous wife, if you haven't guessed already, is the bride of Christ. So that's every single one of us called to walk in a way that's close to him, to walk in a way that's upright and righteous and to be someone who, who looks out for the family and speaks life. Can you all stand up? And you might just need to give yourself a little shake because I know it's been hot in here and I know it's, some of you have felt a bit sleepy. But I just think maybe you should just ask the Lord to speak to you because I know there was a lot in and I know we did a lot of bouncing around of different things. But I think... God is going to say something different to different people in the room today. And it might be that he's going, to, he's going to reveal to you what's the talent you're not using. He might be saying to some of you, in fact, I do think this is what God is saying. This, is, this sounds harsh, but remember, harsh with God, it always produces life. Okay? It's time for some of you to stop being lazy. And to get up. It's time for some of you to stop prioritising your life over the kingdom. It's time for some of you to choose to really get to know the Lord. Because you've never really had that heart connection. You believe. But there's something lacking in the relationship with God. It's time for some of you to choose to draw near. And to learn how to sit in his presence. To learn how to connect with him. It's time for some of you to get your Bibles out and to get built back up in the Word, to get strong again. And it's certainly time for all of us just to choose to surrender afresh to God. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.